every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Feit and yes we're back. Uh, you know it's been a very very busy time in my life. Had to get my knee fixed, had to get it operated and meniscus back under control so you know missed a few episodes. Bundesliga coming back online, job coming back online, lots of things coming back online, football coming back. Uh, football coming back all over the world including Russia so that's why we're back on this podcast as well and I'm so excited to be back on the show and I'm really excited to hear this particular voice well both of the voices on the podcast really today but you know I, I have to start somewhere so Tim I'm really excited to hear your voice um, how are you hanging in there how is Vancouver treating you happy hello man I'm so happy to be on the pod I'm so excited that we're talking about this again and first of all be a quick, quick, quick re- recovery from from you, uh, for you because you had a knee surgery, a meniscus. Yeah, I know that's a serious st- uh, stuff, and like I know that you know I want you to be g- uh, get back as soon as possible. Uh, but um, yes, uh, Vancouver is doing great. I'm very, very excited. We almost back to normal. I know that uh, we have lots of listeners from different places in the world and um, people in different stages on COVID, but like I'm very happy to announce for Vancouver, we're slowly, slowly moving to what hopefully is going to be back to normal. And um, it's just, it just really positive stuff. It's summer. Um, every time we have good news and it's just like really, really nice to talk, uh, to be back on the podcast, talk to you guys and yeah, like we said numerous times, most of the thing we enjoy doing in this podcast is just to talk to each other and talk about football. So I'm very happy to be back. Welcome back. And again, happy, happy uh, recovery for you, Mano. Oh, thank you so much, Tim. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's good news. It's good news Tuesday, I guess, because, you know, one of the reasons why I had the surgery is because Vancouver Island is COVID-19 free. And we're COVID-19 free since May. I think that's very, very wonderful news. And it shows you, you know, if you are listening into this podcast, you're somewhere around the world, listen to the health authorities. We had very good health authorities in this part of the world. We listened to them. Um, you know, we still kept our distance. We never went into lockdown. We didn't have to because we just did what was what we were told to do. So listen to them and um, stay, hang, hang in there because you can get there too. And I know that one guy is probably listening to this and is thinking, well, you know, that's not a problem for me because in my government, COVID-19 is not an issue. Huh? Right, Andrew? How is, how is the COVID-19 situation <laughs> going in, in, in Russia? Well, I, I just, 
I'd just like to clarify this point, but by my government, I'm talking about the Tumen regional government. In that case, I would absolutely wholeheartedly agree because, um, to be fair, we we have single figure cases um, e each day here of, of open cases in Tumen. And we were recognised by the Russian health minister uh, by having the best reaction to the COVID uh, crisis out of all 91 regional autonomous okrugs and krais. So, yeah, Tumen's the place to be. Bright blue skies, sunshine, and best of all, best of all, a football grab podcast with a recovering boss and a, a blonde-haired Tim. So, uh, delighted to hear you getting on the, on the men, boss. Um, and almost as delighted to be talking about Russian football again. It's been too long, boys. It's been too long. You know, I have, before we start doing this, doing our new section, um, the Russian Premier League is coming back this weekend. And I mean, we have this, we had this big thing about, um, the return of sport in North America. Everything is grandiose when you're down in the United States, I guess. But you look at the US numbers and you think, oh, you guys are just a bunch of numbheads. And I'm sorry if I say this because, like, you know, I know we have listeners from the United States, but the curve is going anywhere, not, but it's not down. And I look at these Russia numbers and, um, they're not much better. I mean, you look at the Russian numbers and you're thinking return of sport. Are you kidding me? I think this is not, you're not quite there. Um, you know, these are the official numbers by the Russian government. We don't even know if they're anywhere close to the, the actual numbers reported. You know, you have to take the Russian numbers with a grain of salt. Maybe not quite like it is in China, but definitely. You know, we've, we've both spent as, we all spend a significant amount of time there. We, we know how to, to take and read, uh, numbers and figures given to you officially. So uh, I see these numbers and these graphs that you put into this document that we usually use, Andrew. And, um, I know in Moscow, it's slowly going down, but in the rest of country, the curve is anything but flattening. Yeah. The, the, one of the main problems is the, the low, more lowly funded regions are seriously struggling at the moment. Um, I mean, one one example is in the south, in in Dagestan, in Chechnya, they're really struggling. Um, Khabib Nurmagomedov, the UFC fighter, his father had serious health complications and was flown to Moscow uh, because they just simply didn't have the facilities to um, to treat him uh, with his specific condition. And when you go far, further out east and further north, and admittedly they're not highly populated areas, but that's part of the problem. Some people live so far away from anything resembling a hospital with a specialist capable of, of treating this sort of uh, condition that the numbers are, are not looking great. Now, I know this is going to sound a little callous, but um, in terms of the Russian Premier League restarting, I agree entirely. It's, it can never really be 100% certain whether it's the right time to come back. Because like you mentioned, Manny, the certainty of the numbers themselves uh, is very hard to really call. But a lot of basically most of the areas where Russian football is going to um, are dealing with the numbers better than the rest of Russia. Now, I know that's a very flimsy reason to say or justification for saying let's return. But um, yeah, like you say, though, it's a very, very good point. Russia as a whole, the numbers are still still going up overall. I am I'm actually very very relieved to see that Moscow itself is is flattening the flattening the curve and reducing numbers significantly because I thought that was going to be the main problem area. I didn't foresee 
that it would actually be the the further flung regions of Russia that are that are struggling. But um, look, it, it's it's coming back whether we like it or not, and we will have to simply wait and see. We have seen players and managers and coaches. Not too many, but we have seen cases that have contracted it. They've recovered and are back in isolation and some back into training. So how they recover is going to be indicative of how we will move forward, I suppose. But um, it's definitely not clear-cut. Yeah, I think we, we're going to talk a little bit about what football will look like um, once it is returning um, in greater detail further down the podcast. But, uh, I mean, before we go get there... Uh, I have to read this twice. So FC Ufa is in conversations with Red Bull and Man City to become a subsidiary club. Um, this is real and it's very interesting. Someone put this underlined with on the document. Tim, uh, really? I mean, I do believe you if you put it down, um, but <laughs> you have to. You know, Ufa is is an interesting interesting club because that's where Sinchenko played, right? Before he exactly um, he went to um, Man City, and um, I I do think that they have that sort of ability to find and produce players. But how link is how how real is that link to possibly become? And we know that Man City have feeder clubs all over the world. Um, Red Bull is very brand oriented. Um, they, they want to be cool. Um, let's make no mistake about it. Red, Rasenballsport Leipzig, RB Leipzig, we all know what the RB really stands for, um, is a brand vehicle. Why would RB or Red Bull go into UFA? Um, explain this a little bit better, maybe for me in the audience. Yes, it, it is it is it is an interesting project because the whole idea of the FC UFA, because they're not very wealthy club, the whole idea is, uh, is developing players, which is very similar to all the clubs which are connected to Red Bull and Man City uh, conglomerate. Um, the, the UFA has a very, very active and very probably one of the best managers in Russian football who really helps to develop the club and sets up the club in a way that they look for young talent, they develop them, and they sell them off. This is exactly the case, how they sold Azinchenkan to uh, Man City, which you know all of our listeners would know because he became a player in one of the best teams in EPL, from coming from FC Ufa, which is definitely not the biggest club in Russia. Um, so this is where the this, this story starts. Apparently, according to the way to the president of the FC Ufa, Shamil Gazizov, uh, the way they conducted the uh, conversation about the transfer of Zinchenka, uh, Man City really liked it. They they were very professional. They really thought about they had the conversation about the development of the player about making the player make the, the next step and at the same time to be a fair a compensation for fcu and this is how the conversation started apparently this conversation has been going on and uh, man city did a little bit of research looking into fcu and find out <clears throat> finding out their concept of developing really young best talent not only from russia but also from uh countries like serbia um you know eastern europe uh, where ufa gets some of the players that's the first story the second story is a little bit more than the fc ufa club connection to the red bull it's just a really kind of a luck situation because uh, Bashkortostan, this is the area of russia where fc ufa is located they just started developing the relationship with austria 
regardless of football, they just started doing some business meetings, some, you know, connection between different businesses. They even started a flight uh, from Ufa to, I don't remember the city in Austria, but like to, to like it's a straight flight from Ufa to Austria because there's so much business going on. It's just pure developing between the regions. And obviously the conversation started between FC Ufa and uh, Salzburg, and that's how it transitions to Red Bull. So those conversations are real, they're actively happening, and I think that was like the biggest news of the, what we, uh, you know, of the lockdown which happened, because as a really, really small club, which is well run in Russia, is being interested by two massive, massive organizations. So we will have to see. Because there is a problem because Ufa, like we talked many times on this podcast, Ufa is half government owned. And there is obviously, you know, if one of the big players will come to own Ufa, they can't really have any government involvement. They want to do what they want. They want to develop players. They sell them, you know, like do the normal football business. But um, there is government involvement and FC Ufa. So it's very interesting to see how the story will pan out. But this interest is real. Uh, Shamil Gazizov, who is the manager of the UFA, gave a big interview and he confirmed that they are in conversations, not in the actual, you know, contract negotiations. It's just conversation, but there's interest. And this is very, very interesting for a small club like UFA and attention to the Russian league. So, yeah, I think I think this is great. Uh, Mano, I'm curious if you will hear something from your sources about Red Bull connection to UFA, because... There might be something because obviously there's German link and you have transfer uh, transfer mark connections. So let us know if you hear anything. But I think this is one of the most exciting stories of the uh, COVID uh, lockdown uh, in Russian football. Yeah, Red Bull Ufa. I mean, sounds interesting. Sounds good. It sounds interesting <laughs> enough. Um, I, I, the, the, again, I mean, the one thing that i would put a caveat on is um is ufa a cool enough city for for the red bull brand um this is this is something that is very important right so i mean can they like do some winter sports stuff uh ice carving or i don't know have a russian (laughs) guy slam red bulls uh while slapping each other in the face that sort of stuff you know um they they like to think a little bit outside of the box maybe we're going to have um Siberian deer hunting is a Red Bull sport soon and uh, yeah. FK <laughs> Red Bull Ufa are going to be the, the, the team of the hour um, to sort of facilitate all of this. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely um, going to see uh, and can see if I can find and learn something about this. Um, I know a man who has been learning, Andrew, and that's Murat Musayev, who finally has a UEFA Pro license, um, which means he can actually do his job now. He's legally allowed to be the head coach of Krasnodar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Murat Musayev's um, appointment when Ali Kononov left the club was, was you know, no, not a lot of people really knew his name, although his history right from the very beginning of of Krasnodar's academy being set up, uh, it made perfect sense. And in hindsight, it's looking like really is making perfect sense because he's brought through right up into the first team um, the, the entire project of Krasnodar. The whole point of it was to develop as many local talent as they could. And they've spread their network throughout the whole of Krasnodar Krai region. Um, and it, it is starting to pay off. We've seen a lot of the first team squad, they're getting minutes. You know, Shapi Suleiman grabs the headlines. 
Ivan Ignatiev has moved on to Rubin Kazan, but you know he he top goal scored in the youth youth UEFA youth league um, two seasons ago. You got Danny Ludkin coming through, um, and there were just a lot of lot of players coming through. And Musayev is key to pass that. But um, yes, as we know, he has not been allowed to officially be on the sidelines for UEFA matches. Um, Sergei Matveev has had to be the official head coach in European games and it extended into the Russian Premier League this season, even though before that he had been, um, well, blowing out orders from from substitutes bench and whatnot. Uh, to be honest with you, I think it's, it's a very logical progression. I don't... The, this whole obsession with, with having a, a minimum requirement of licence for managers... It's something that I've never quite, it's never quite sat well with me because I understand the intention. You want to make sure that high quality coaches are there. But in the end, it's the responsibility of the clubs. Um, I mean, you, you can't just say literally anybody with no qualification walks in. But really, is there that much of a difference between Musayev is clearly a brilliant coach, especially with youth team players. Um, and until this point, are they saying that he's not a worthy coach? I mean, he's been, he's done a very good job. Um, but anyway, he will start his pro license course officially, and uh, we can we can finish with this charade of him not being the head coach when we all know that he has been the head coach um, in all but official UEFA documents. So good news for Krasnodar. Um, should hopefully draw a line under that nonsense. Not a charade, but a scandal, spelled with K on the document, with a slur, which I'm not going to repeat because we'll go explicit. I'm just going to hand this over to Tim. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. ESL problems. Uh, but yeah, my club um, had a little bit of a scandal. Little player was Ayaz Guliev, who was brought from. Little bit of a scandal. It's a scandal of a K. That's not a little scandal. <laughs> it's because I'm a ska music fan. That's the only thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he uh, uh, earlier this season. Uh, he is the. Academic product of Spartak. Uh, after he left Spartak, he played uh, for Anji and he was very successful in Rostov. He was brought back. And to be honest, he didn't do anything really impressive for the club. Um, he got a very increased salary and he was doing well. Uh, earlier, uh, previous year, he had a very, very ugly incident when he pretty much, I don't know how to use my words correctly, but knocked out a person who crossed um the in in front of across the road in front of his car which was very very disgusting he was sent to the reserves and then he was forgiven he re returned back and honestly he didn't really improve much and um uh, recently he was sent uh, back to reserves again because uh, he was training with the team and then um this is where a little bit of controversy happens and uh, uh it's un unclear who he really got in fight to, but uh, to be honest, they were reviewing uh, one of the recent games of Spartak, and one source say it was the second coach, the assistant coach, but other sources say it was actually Dominic Tedesco, who is the coach of Spartak, but he was supposed to be in quarantine. So there's a little bit of contro con controversy, was it actual Tedesco or was the assistant coach, but regardless of that, uh, he really, in the, in the, in the, a tactical session, he got into fight with one of them, either Tedesco or assistant coach, and then he was asked to leave, and he was then moved to the um, reserves. My biggest concern that, like, really, it's the player who is 
been the Spartak Academy, who has been Spartak player through and through from the young age. Then he was sent on the loan, he was sold, then he was returned back. And really, like, this is your chance. You're a young player who needs to be in the team. And for the, full, for the whole season, he didn't really prove himself. He wasn't great. He didn't do anything really what I can remember outstanding for the team. And then you start fight in a tactical session against regardless who the coach was. I don't think it's a smart behavior. It was a big story because really he, you know, Spart- any story with Spartak becomes a big story. But um, some, some, some fans defend him. I have absolutely no regrets. The player really twice showed a very as a human being, not as a player, as a human being, he really let himself down. Plus, he didn't really contribute on the pitch. So I don't think it's a big loss for Spartak, but it became a big scandal with the C or the K, as as you like. Uh, but um, right now he's training with the reserves, and most likely he will be out of the team. And um, again, that's one of the biggest, one of the stories which was interesting in the, the lockdown for my team. It's a scandal of a K. Just like... Uh... <laughs> Okay, like in Kimki. Right, Andrew? <laughs> oh, that's a good transition. Yeah, Andrew. A <laughs> scandal with a K. Your segue game is on point. I love it. I love it. Yeah, Kimki are not a club that have um, much fondness from, from me, I'll be honest. Um, I'm never going to forgive them for three seasons ago, four seasons ago, sorry, when they... Uh, completely cheated, bribed a referee to to win a game against um, Frecachi Men, my club, the greatest club in the world. And they got one of the most ridiculous penalty decisions you'll ever see in your life when the guy was about five metres away from Chumen's player. Um, and they won the game and that helped them, helped them stay up at the time, I think it was. Um, but anyhow, and not to mention that they come from the, let's just say, the least glorious part of Moscow, Moscow outskirts and have one of the most disgraceful stadiums in the history of stadiums. All of that aside, Kimki have unfortunately been doing very well this season. Uh, well, until it was stopped in the second tier, Fennel, finishing second, um, only on goal difference, but uh, that was enough. Now this season, of course, the there are only two relegation spots from the Russian Premier League. The Russian Football Union decided that they would not run relegation promotion playoffs, which is the well third and fourth lowest place sides in the Russian Premier League play a two-leg playoff against the third and fourth place sides in the second tier. But that won't happen. Only two teams will go up. Um, and originally, uh, Himki were even supposedly at danger of not applying not only for a license for the Premier League, but also for the second tier. They were, there was very strong talk of them dropping down to the third tier, the PFL, the lowest professional level. Um, this is all about money, as it always is every year. There's the casualty list of clubs who refuse releg- uh, refuse promotion or even offer to take relegation simply because of the costs. Now, it is a, it's still not entirely clear exactly which division they're going to be in. It's been reported that they have applied for a Russian Premier League license and even, get this, a Europa League license because they're in the semi-finals of the Russian Cup still. Um, they uh, will play the winner of FC Ural and Shinik Yaroslavl. They still have to play their quarter-final. Um, and if they get through to the final, which they won't, um, well, I'll be blooming annoyed if they do. Um, and if they somehow win the final, they will be in the 
Europa League group stages. Um, however, even if that happened, as we, we all know, um, the Russian Football Union has ways of preferring which clubs actually take part in Europe. Um, I remember Rostov winning, winning the Russian Cup three or four years ago, whenever it was, longer, I think it was actually, and uh, it was engineered so that he didn't actually play in the Europa League. But anyhow, Himke, um ruffling feathers as they like to do. Nobody will be that upset if they don't get a Premier League license or a Fenel license. But their reports are saying different things. So what happens to them? I just hope they don't get to the Premier League because it will be a complete waste of a space as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what you're talking about, Andrew. I think they'll be greatly missed. Almost as greatly missed as uh, Anyukov who's going to finish his career at Samara, Tim, but as returning to a coach at Zenit. Uh, yeah, that's a very interesting story because Alexander Arikov is an absolute legend of the Russian league. And I'm saying that despite that he has been through and through Zenit player, um, he's absolute legend of Russian football and the Russian league, the player who played 20 consecutive seasons in Russian league. Like, you know, that not that many people around Europe who do that. But um, he had a very interesting story. He decided to finish his uh, career last year with Zenit. Um, and um, he decided to become a coach. He even went as, an, as a coach with the main team to the training camp. But then he decided to continue his playing career. And he went to play for Krilis, uh, Savet of Samara. This is the place where he really started his professional career and become became a notable player in the Russian Premier League. So he re returned this season, but he decided to hang up the boots before the restart of the Russian League. And he decided to come back uh, to Zenit uh, as a coach. It's unknown and where he will start his job as a coach with the main team or maybe the, the uh, Zenit 2 or maybe the, the youth team. But anyways, he's becoming a coach and he's finishing his player career. But just really listen to the achievement of this player. And I was researching that today and I was thinking, wow, like not that many players in their career can can really showcase that number of titles and achievements. Uh, he played 20 consecutive seasons in the uh, in the Russian Premier League. He won UEFA Cup. He won European Super Cup. He won the Russian League five times, Russian Cup twice, and the Russian Super Cup four times. That just speaks for itself, regardless uh, as much as I'm Spartak fan and Zenit is always always our rivalry, but this is un unbelievable. Respect to the player, how much the player achieved in his life. He also played for Russia in the legendary 2008 campaign when Russia became the bronze um, uh, achiever of the Euro 2008. So this is a notable player. We had to talk about it uh, on about him on this podcast because his career is just really worth mentioning and uh, all the best for him in his coaching career. And really, this is this is Russian football legend. Yeah, and uh, Tim, he's going to work there with um, Simak because Simak extended his contract, right? Yeah, Simak extended his contract. There was a little bit of negotiations, uh, but in the end, they decided to go two plus one deal, two years plus one extension. Uh, Simak proved himself. He won the league. He has been successful in Champions League. Um, 
for me as a Spartak fan, this is the worst possible outcome because I believe when the uh, the coach with too much charisma comes, like Spalletti or Dick Advocat, that could uh, um, create some tensions in the dressing room. But uh, Simak is a he is a players coach. He is very very loved by the players, and to me this is not very good good news. But I'm pretty sure that he will achieve a lot of success with Zenit because um, he has been a phenomenal player. He was a uh, many times champion of Russia. He also was a captain of Russian national team, and right now he's the coach who's winning the league with Zenit. So all the best. Bah. All the best, Gessimaka, and quotes from me, but uh, definitely a very, very important, another important uh, um, character in the Russian football. So, Gessimak, congratulations on the extension of the new contract with Zenit. I know you you don't like him that much uh, because he's a Zenit, but obviously he's very much beloved <laughs> at uh, at Zenit Saint Petersburg uh, by players, fans alike. But he's not as beloved as this guy. Tim. <laughs> Wagnerloff. Wagnerloff. He's coming this back. Is... I, I mean, this is this. And we, we're going to, this, we're going to call this a Wagnerloffable episode, you know, because, <laughs> oh my God, I know it's not a hundred percent, but when I saw this on the document, my eyes lit up. Um, I know he's 36 old and decrepit, but he's still Wagnerloff. Um, yeah, I can't believe he's potentially coming back to Russian football boys. CSKA. Um, I know this, Tim, I know you have some, 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 you're probably going to curb my enthusiasm right now. Um, because you're going to probably tell me it's not going to happen or the deal is like difficult and all that kind of stuff. But just for this one moment, I just want to think about that hair. <laughs> yeah, Wagner Love is, is absolute CSKA legend who, it's a unique player who, Won so much and scored so many goals, but at the ta- at the same time he was consistently having the uh, the, uh, the his reputation of a complete lazy person, like lazy player who was not really interested in football. But at the same time he was so brilliant for Ceska. So the story is that Ceska really decided to bring him back. Everything was almost ready to go. He uh, finished his uh, term with his previous con- uh, with his previous club, and everyone it was uh, reported that. He will make 800,000 per year and he will play for Tsiska, which made a perfect sense because Tsiska has a very young striker, Fyodor Chalov, who was linked to the, to the move to Crystal Palace. And he has some interest from EPL. So that was a great connection. So those two players, a very experienced Wagner Love, will play with Fedor Chalov. And the Fedor Chalov will get some experience for Wagner Love. Wagner Love will contribute his magic. And it's going to be like a, such a beautiful, lovely story. Lovely used on purpose, of course. Um, and uh, But right now, Scott tried to push to add him to the squad right now um, before the end of the league. But uh, the Russian league didn't allow didn't allow them to do that so pretty much right now there's a big risk uh, wagner love at the age of 36 haven't played for the past three months he he would not be able to play for the next probably about two to three months before the russian season restarts and Tesca is able to um, have him as a player so there's a little bit of not a little bit there's a significant concern of, of adding him to Tesca squad for a significant salary there's we don't know what will happen because there's different rumors some people say it's off some people say they will wait for him and just really get his signature to on the contract so we don't know but the romantics of the story is absolutely phenomenal so andrew 
Manu, just go in and talk about Wagner Love and this whole lovely situation. I I could I mean I could talk about this for the rest of the podcast, but um you know, we're already thirty minutes in, so we might have to do a special when he comes back. Uh <laughs> because I mean I'm looking at this document and I'm seeing this next topic right here, and I'm like as as excited as I am about Wagner Love and his wonderful haircut and the, the wonderful things that he cool and sometimes in a little bit, you know, shady play as well. I mean, this tops everything in terms of shadiness, Tim. Uh, Tambov and Nizhny Novgorod, they're going to merge and just so they can play at the World Cup Stadium. I, am I reading this right? I think you're reading this precisely right because Beautiful. Tambov and Nizhny Novgorod <laughs> are trying to really make up a very shady deal because Tambov is... They're not really being a danger of relegation, but there's a risk. But at the same time, they're not playing at home. They're not playing in Tambov because Tambov doesn't have a good stadium. And Nizhny Novgorod, they didn't made it to the Premier League. They still stayed at the um, FNL, but they have a World Cup stadium. So those two clubs trying a <laughs> combined deal. So Tambovu doesn't have a stadium. They have the place in, in Russian Premier League. And Nizhny Novgorod, who doesn't play in the Russian Premier League, they have a World Cup stadium. So they're trying to combine the clubs. And it's very weird. But, like, hopefully this is not going to happen because this is a little bit too much. But um, we know how how Russia deals with World Cup stadiums. So uh, we just have to wait. I I have a take on this. I cannot see a world where Tambov and Nizhny Novgorod would be allowed to play in the Russian Premier League and Wagner Love isn't. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would I would rather take Wagner Love than those two clubs in their league. I mean, come on, boys. It's Wagner <laughs> Love. Be wrong. I it mean, is. Andrew, back me up here. It's Wagner Love. We want him back, right? Yeah. Even if it's <laughs> he, even if it's just for like half a season, seeing him stumble across a pitch. Um, come on. <laughs> well, look, 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 put it this way: it's um, it's something would definitely not be right for the world. Um, if we're seeing Dmitry Loskov hobble around the pitch at the age of 45 or whatever it was a few years ago, then Wagner Love, I think, is probably slightly more capable at his sprightly age of 36. I mean, just, I mean, my two pennies worth on, on Tambov Nizhny Novgorod. If you don't care about the club, it actually makes perfect sense. But that's the problem. People do care about their clubs. Maybe not tens of thousands every match day, but at least some. Um because it's, Tambov is not a football market. They, they're having to spend money just to get their stadium up. And they are still saying, they, they are trying. In the, the sporting director said he wants to, they're still trying to get the stadium up to scratch. Um, and and this, having a World Cup stadium in the Fennel is just a complete joke. And as we've discussed many times over the last two or three years, we know full well that um, the football authorities will do everything in their power to facilitate those World Cup stadiums being filled with Premier League clubs. So... Um, on a business sense, I hate to say it, but it makes sense on a business sense. But, you know, yeah. football isn't just a business. It is a club. and people That's why you need to bring know. back Wagner Love because you sell those shirts. I'll buy one. Um, boys, <laughs> we have lots of other stuff to talk to. So we want to maybe go a bit quicker through the transfer stuff. Um, we already discussed Lokomotiv, um, Hovides and Semi Knight, the last podcast. So if you want to hear more on this, um, listen back to that. Tim, um, surely we kind of alluded to this a few times. He's going back to Borussia Dortmund. In fact, I actually did write a piece about it today um, that Borussia Dortmund, we're kind of hoping he wouldn't come back because he, <laughs> he's making a lot of money there. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, they're, they're getting that 5 million euro salary back, dumped back onto their books, <laughs> unfortunately for them. Uh, Melgarejo is gone too, Tim? 
Yeah, two players, two players left Spartak, Shurley and Melgarejo. Two little bit different stories. Shurley really came over and impressed with his style, with his little class. But then he faded away. The surgery, uh, sorry, his injuries didn't really help. He had a sickness. He had a injury. Like he couldn't really do the much. But he showed himself, maybe not to the pitch, but he showed himself a complete gentleman. He was really, everyone said that he was very instrumental in the dressing room. In the end, after it was announced that Shuri is not going to back to Moscow to finish the season, because it did make sense for him, uh, because of two weeks quarantine, he apparently um, rented uh, his, not rented, he gave his own private jet. Or maybe he paid for it. I don't know how it works. Uh, for uh, foreign players uh, from Spartak and the coaching staff from Germany to return to Moscow. So even he knew that he's not going to play for the team. He did the right thing. And really, I think even maybe he didn't show himself mm, very well on the pitch. But he was very instrumental for the team. And he showed himself as a gentleman because he always did the right thing. And I... As a Spartak fan, we'll always thank him for his time for, for the team. Even maybe we expect it a little bit too much. Melgarejo, he was a player who spent uh, lots of time in Spartak. But he, in the last years, he was really a bench player. He was a player who would come on for 15 to 20 manners. Um, but he was asking for the contract as a player of the first team uh, in terms of salary. And the Spartak didn't agree on that, so he left. He did a little bit. Uh, he did. He did. He contributed to certain Spartak su- successes. He was a part of the champion team, but um, you know that was it. And uh, this whole story, especially with Shirley, really uh, links in with two other stories. When uh, three World Cup winners le- left uh, the Russian league this year, that would include Andrea Shirley, that would include uh, Hovides, and that would include uh, Adel Rami, who left Sochi. But we will talk a little bit about that later. Yeah, actually, let's talk about Rami um, right now, Andrew, um, because um, he's he's <laughs> he's next on the list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, so, why not? Yeah. Uh, you you might want to bring that up. Yeah, I mean, why why not? Sort of sums up him moving such in the first place. Yeah, so it's pretty nice, relaxy resort, bit of money. I could be the star man. Well, um, Adil Rami, uh, a former World Cup champion, um, he uh, he arrived at summer winter, hasn't played a game, and he has now left. He is saying that the club haven't paid him. The club are saying that he hasn't recovered from an injury that's. Um, that he arrived at the club with. I still do not understand how in 2020, a club of any size who signs a player, especially a high-profile one, I'm assuming on a high wage like this, does not conduct their own completely thorough uh, medical and and assesses these sort of things. So either they're completely lying about it or they're just a completely incompetent at signing players. Um, but either way, Adorami has left. Um, Adorami, of course, who uh, either was or still is um, a partner of Hammer Anderson, the former Baywatch star, um, <laughs> and stars of, very other, of various other things. Um, <laughs> when he arrived, I mean, uh, Alexander Kukorin is a bit of a cheeky chap, as we've covered in many, many occasions. And he, he said, all he was quoted on a YouTube channel as asking Rami, go on, tell us what Pamela's like. And um, Let's just say the um, nocturnal exploits of, uh, of rather impressive in his own words, but um, how serious we can say that, I don't know. But Adil Rami is no more. Um, the circus at Sochi rolls on without him. 
Yeah, without Adil Rami and um, Pamela Anderson, it appears. Um, which, yeah, I actually checked. Andrew, they're no longer together. And it it was a messy split up, um, which kind of makes sense. Uh-huh. Manu, yeah. is Pamela Anderson your neighbor? I mean, I live in Victoria. Everyone was Canadian and famous lives here, so probably. Well, she's, from, she's from Victoria. She's from Ladysmith, yeah. <laughs> okay. She's not. So we have some inside she, connection. If we need some information on Adil Rami, we have insiders. I do know that I have famous neighbors on this island. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of ex-football players living just down the street. Um, one who I've recently interviewed. You guys can figure out who that is. And um, we had the Royals here. Uh, we have Nelly Furtado still here. She's just down the street somewhere here too. I mean, I live in Willows. I live in Oak Bay, so there's a bunch of people that live around here in this area. Um, so Pamela, she definitely has a house here. I can tell you that. I don't know how often she comes here. Probably just July and August, um, which is the best months. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but probably, I mean, you've seen the properties on the West Coast, Tim. You know what they're like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she might be. I might. I mean, there's someone on a water scooter outside just now. Maybe she's there um, on that yacht. <laughs> <laughs> Malibu, on Malibu, Victorian Beach. Yeah, maybe. Eh? It's been it's beautiful weather, so it's possible. But um, from beautiful West Coast all the way to Orenburg, Tim, to Georgi Despotovich. That's a great name. Go on. <laughs> I, I don't care what comes yeah. next, but Despotovich is an awesome name. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like his I like his chosen shirt named Despot even more. It just oh. it just gives you that idea of lawlessness about him. Um, oh, that's beautiful. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Orenburg, um, Orenburg. I, I visited the club last uh, last summer, and the stadium is one of the smallest top flight stadiums I've ever seen in my life, and it's not a glamorous place. It's not an ugly city, but it's not exactly where you would see the cream of European talent go, should we say. Georgia Despotovich is actually flying this season. It's gone, I mean, eight goals sounds not enough for him because he always seems to be popping up and um, in, in front of goal. But he has left. Um, Philip Rogic has left. Uh, Orenberg are starting to feel neglected again already. And we know that they are, well, okay. We're not supposed to say we know, but let's be honest. We do know that they are a Gazprom plaything and they play third fiddle in the Gazprom empire behind Zanita and Sochi. So why would Gazprom um, be interested in them? They've sponsored them through subsidiaries for a while, but it doesn't seem like um, like they're going to be in healthy shape. Remember the beginning of the season, boys, when they started with, what was it 11, 12, 13 senior players, something like that? Um, and we thought, how are they even going to be able to compete? And it took them a few game weeks um, to actually build a squad. But now they've lost their star player. And quite honestly, I would say they are my favourites for for relegation. I think the teams below them are not going to be allowed to go down, should we say. 100%. Yeah, I think that would be very surprising. Guys, let's uh, take the Central Asian gas pipeline from Orenburg all the way to, to, to the headquarters in St. Petersburg. Because we have to actually talk a little bit about football coming this back. This is a beautiful transition. I love it. Beautiful. So I had looked it up oh, on Wikipedia. Buddy, <laughs> <laughs> that was almost as good as comparing Malibu to Orenburg. I don't think anybody in the history of anything has ever compared Malibu to Orenburg, but you've managed it. But that's I, even I, better. I, love I, it. Yeah, I should have said Florida, but, um, you know. <laughs> 
yeah. we would have gone explicit real quick. Uh, right. <laughs> anyone who knows who's been to Florida knows what I'm talking about. It's a beautiful state. If you if you listener from Florida, love it, love it down there. Um, you're absolutely definitely not the penis of the United States. Um, Sinead. Oh, look at this. We managed to be explicit. Isn't that great? Uh, Sinead, nine point clear. And we're actually going to have match day this weekend. Um, guys, let's think about that for a second. You know, everyone ignore what I just said about Florida and think about the fact that there's a match day coming up. Sinead, a nine points clear at the top of the table. I mean, we are, we're all excited about football coming back. Um, the only league in Europe that really had a title race basically took care of the title case so quickly that the excitement went out really quickly. I know the Premier League is coming back this weekend. It's not really a title race there either. Spain is having a little bit of a title race. Italy always pretends it does have one. Surely in Russia, we were thinking, okay, well, we're used to a title race there, but it is over, isn't it? And anyone can just shoot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately it is. Uh, Zanid, yeah. <laughs> Andrew, can you talk about this? This is too painful. Yeah, I, I was going to say, Tim, I, I feel your pain. Like, the reason why Tim was pausing because he was quite happy to not talk about the success of that team in St. Exactly, Peter's. exactly. <laughs> Could it please uh, take over? I mean, look, we, we've got to remember that the Russian Premier League is a smaller league than most top flights, major top flights around Europe. It's only uh, 16 teams, only 30 games. And Zanita... Well, I say built up. They've had around a nine, ten point lead for quite some time. Um, they did have a, a very minor wobble, as they usually do before the winter break at one point. But um, they, uh, I mean, not in December, around November time, I think it was. But they're nine points clear. Uh, they have the the best attack. They've won the most games. They've lost the least. They've conceded the least goals. And Lokomotiv are second behind them. They've had a change of manager. Um, Krasadar now have a manager, but um, they're both nine points. Those last two, Lokomotiv Krasadar, nine points behind. Um, it, the title cities, and we may have slightly wavered at some points during the season, but it's been there for quite some time. Um, and, you know, with Sergei Semak signing a contract extension, uh, Zenita looking very, very healthy. Tesca, on the other hand, they, they are not looking healthy. So, the biggest game of this uh, first game week is Zenit to Tesca. Um, Tesca are at the moment fifth, which is technically the last Europa League qualifying spot. Um, but Tesca are in dreadful form. I mean, form doesn't come into I know they last played three months ago, but they haven't won in the last five Russian Premier League games. Uh, they've only, in fact, won twice in the league since September. And that is terrible by anybody's standards. Um, so you have to imagine that Zanit will will win again um, because Tiscar won't have Wagner Love, so they won't have their talisman. What can I say? Um, but no, in all seriousness, it's uh, it's actually quite a serious game for Tiscar because if they start the last eight games with a defeat, which I think they will, the pressure on them with Spartak and Dynamo both breathing down their necks, um, I think the pressure really will stay on them. And I think their fifth place will be in danger. Yeah, guys, uh, before we go into this match day and discuss it, we've, we've talking, uh, talked a little bit about it off the pod. And, and we know we have the schedule, right? We know this, this, is the, this is the, without a doubt, the biggest game is the one that you just mentioned, Andrew. Um, it all starts on Friday. Samara against um, Ahmad Krosny and then uh, Sochi against Rostov, right? But 
the the big question that I have before we get into mid and greedy um of the of talking about the actual games um what are the games are actually going to look like and i know you guys mentioned that some of some fans will be allowed into attendance and we've we talked about the 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 amount of covid-19 cases in russia at the top of the podcast um i i i'm really struggling with with this concept i know that in germany they're working on on getting fans back into the stadiums and the bundesliga is probably the, the you know they set the ground for every league around the world to come back, um, except for, of course, Belarus that just, you know, use tractors and vodka. But um, how feasible is it really? And this can be either one of you. So maybe Tim and Andrew, just I want to hear both your opinions on this. Um, is it to really have fans back in the stadium? And if fans are back, what is it going to look like? I think we should go both on this because we have different perspective because I live in uh, Canada and I uh, absolutely love Russian Premier League. And on the other side, Andrew lives in Chimen. He has his own perspective. In my opinion, I think this is too soon. Um, like I said on the previous spot, like I think this this whole situation with COVID is, um, I don't know. I think it's a little bit dangerous and i'm speaking from a resident of the country where we did very very well and based on statistics around the world specifically canada and specifically my province uh british columbia did very very well and i saw what kind of measures we did and then i'm comparing those measures which were done in moscow around the country i don't i don't think those measures are as secure as we had here and to me this is a big concern because i have friends family my favorite football team is living there so the decision of potentially enter uh, leave um and um allowing 10 10 of the capacity of the club going to the of the fans going to the stadium and potentially extending this number from 10 to 30 uh, I think this is a little bit too risky. And I know how that works because the three clubs which push that decision are my club, Spartak, Zenit, and CSKA, the clubs which have the biggest um, uh, sellout VIP uh, lounges uh, at their stadiums. Uh, so the way it works, the, the business work is that they sold out those uh, stadiums. And if they don't get the fans into those uh, VIP lounges, um, in the the rest of the season, they're not going to get the final payment from those companies, as I understand that works. So obviously, there's a financial interest for the, you know, for the for ten percent or thirty percent of fans to be allowed, but a little bit observing the situation from far away and talking to my friends, I think this is a little bit too soon, and I would really go with Bundesliga. La Liga approach when you have empty stadiums and maybe yes of course that you will lose out a little bit of money but at the same time I think the people's and your nation health safety and you, the safety of players and everyone who is involved in the football match should be a priority that's my vision maybe I'm wrong like I said I'm watching uh, at the Russian league from very very far away but uh, comparing to the what Canada did here I think with I would have been a little bit more careful. Andrew, what do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, look, Tim, it's, it's very hard to argue anything you've said there. I mean, from what I've seen here, now I, I'm I'm not living in Moscow, but I've I've been in regular contact with my friends and colleagues who do live there. There were attempts to make um, lockdown protocols very strict in Moscow. There was even a QR code issued to anybody who was allowed special permission to leave even within 100 metres of their building. Um, and you had to scan it if you went on any public transport. But people were just flouting the rules left, right, centre. You know, the social, the concept of social distancing is not something that uh, anybody really in Russia paid a great deal of attention to. And out here in Tumen, um, I mean, it's not related, it's not related directly to Russian Premier League, but I think it's indicative of the the mentality that a lot of people have here. They just simply don't really trust directives given from authority figures. I mean, here, they, you're supposed to stand a metre and a half away from each other in shops, and you get Babushki just elbowing you out of the way to get in front of you in the queue. Half people wear masks, some people wear gloves. Well, it doesn't work unless everybody does it. And it, basically, to make everybody do it, I don't think it's... I, I know it sounds stupid, but I don't think it's possible. So I just don't think that many people, enough people here... Um, obey simple rules like this and they wait until the situation has become bad and then think right now what can we do instead of being prepared like a lot of countries like you mentioned Canada Germany two very good examples um so in terms of letting fans into the stadium I agree I think it is too early 10 percent really makes very little difference to the atmosphere I'd even go as far to say it would be better to either have no fans or fake crowd noise for TV audiences than 10%, because 10% very specifically looks empty. And if you, if you understand what I mean. Um, so, I mean, just for the, you know, it, match day income is minimal in Russia. So, you know, if it was a much more lucrative league, I'd half understand it. But I think it is too early because it gets people's hopes up and they in turn think, oh, well, if we're allowed into stadiums, perhaps in general, I can relax. So I do think 100%. it is too early. Yeah, and there's a business interest of those VIP lounges. And like, really, I don't think they even maybe if 10% of the audience will come to the stadium and everything's going to be fine. I don't think they're sending the right message. Uh, we live in, in Canada and like it was such a strong message for us to be safe. And um, I think you have to be you would rather be, you know, safe than sorry. And I think that's how how everyone should. again like I should not be talking because I don't live there, but that's my observation. And yeah, yeah, I think it's too early for fans. Uh, you know, I think that when I I mean I've spoken intensively um, to people in Germany about the safety protocols in place um, to start the Bundesliga. Um, I was on a conference call over here with Don Garber the commissioner of major league soccer and I listened to the plans that they have in place. And um, even they, those plans were less convincing than the ones that the Bundesliga has. And um, they were still miles ahead of this, you know, like having teams travel to one location, play in hub cities because the United States is by lack of better words, a shit show right now. Um, not only with COVID-19, but all the, protests going on um rightful protests going on by the way 100% support what people are protesting for but it, it's just creating a powder cake right and um they can't even guarantee it and i think in russia 
Russia and the United States in terms of demographic and probably leadership are very similar at the moment. And um, I think I, I look at this and I see fans in the stadiums. I, I just can't see it. I think, you know, if Germany two months from now say, okay, we can allow 30,000 people into the Allianz Arena, I will have a sense um, that they probably have a good plan to guarantee that it will work. Um, but if I see, and we've seen pictures of it, we've seen pictures that come out of Hungary, we've seen pictures come out of uh, Serbia, we've seen pictures, you know, and I don't even want to know what the numbers are going to be um, with COVID-19 after this, because we now know that COVID-19, the average person uh, who's sick of COVID-19 spreads the virus very little. Um, that That's what the latest studies are showing, that the spread rate is something like 0.2, right? That's the RKI um, rate, uh, the, the transition rate. Um, but um, we also know that some people can pass it to 80 other people in close proximity, the so-called super spreaders. So all you need at, at a game is a super spreader. And um, we all know the impact that the game in Italy had, right? So I think that's something that we have to keep in mind um, with this restart. I am, I think, I think it is okay to restart. Um, as long as you have play behind closed behind closed doors, um, and it's not pretty. I, I mean, um, I've been following behind closed door games now for um, the better part of a month with German football, and um, it is a little deflating at times. But I think it will. It is what it takes to get the get the season wrapped up. And I think we spoke about this on this podcast that at the end of the day. Um, Remember when we had the show, Andrew and Tim, where we talked about, you know, how there was so much emphasis on trying to get the next season underway rather than saving this one. I think we're finally at the yeah. point where we all understand this is the season to save. But make yeah. no mistake, that's what this is about. This is not about just fun and games and so on. I mean, there is the aspect of this sport will give people something to cheer about and it will give them a distraction, but it's not going to be the same. It's going to be very different. And I know this from the experience of covering a league closely that has been back on the way. And I think we have to just recognize this. Um, this is not the time to let fans back into stadiums. That's, that's my final opinion. And I think we all agree on that. Yeah. 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 So I mean, I, I think, I think the, the one silly mistake they've made is when they've had lockdown, why relax it? They've already got people in their mentality, even if they don't like it, of, well, there are things we can't do. It would have been easy just to say, look, just for now, just continue what we already have instead of reversing back to having found this silly. Yeah, and I think too, and this is made the final point of the podcast, and I, I think everyone should tune into the football and enjoy it. Um, it's not going to be the same. It really isn't. Um, again, I, I have that experience now, but go and watch it because it is what we've got now. And it's going to be what we have for the foreseeable future. But I, I think too that anything that we're relaxing right now and we're experiencing this here on the West Coast, Tim, we live in a part of the world. Vancouver Island is virus free and we still have restrictions because there is a high chance there's a second wave and exactly. everything that every relaxation that we are facing right now, you can guarantee that the government is not going to be able to put a genie back into the box. So what the government gives us now, we will have to, those are the mechanisms in place to deal with the next wave. We're not all going back into lockdown. That's simply not going to happen. Our economy can't handle it. And that's why our government is so slow giving things back to the people, even though the virus level is very low right now. Because the thing is, 
once the genie is out of the bottle, you can't put it back in, right? So it's much easier to be vigilant and careful now, knowing that there is no, not much of a risk of infection right now because the virus will come back. And I think that is just maybe the big takeaway for today, uh, at, <laughs> towards the end of the episode, guys, that, um, stay vigilant because we've gone through the first wave and we've done in lots of places we've done well and some places we have not, but this is, we're not at the end, at the finish line yet. So enjoy the football, watch it. Um, but everyone stay safe and vigilant. On that note, guys, enjoy the football on the weekend. Um, I mean, there's lots of football coming back. The Premier League is coming back as well. La Liga is back. Bundesliga is second last match day. So there's lots going on. Enjoy it. But if you're not watching football, Tim, what are you up to these days? <laughs> yeah, it's, again, for me, it's an interesting times. Um, obviously, like we, uh, a little bit to follow up on what you said. We are allowed to do very, very small events, and we're actually doing the first event. But again, it's a very, very careful event uh, with live music. But again, like we're doing everyone a sit down, and it's going to be extremely, extremely protected because we will have the flexiglass everywhere. Uh, so again, to back up this, that, you know, we here in Vancouver slowly coming back, but that doesn't mean that, you know, it's the same for, 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 for the world. But if you would like to, Follow me uh, on um, Instagram. That would be Rocket from Russia and Russian Tim uh, 61 at Twitter. And I just want to thank everyone uh, for all the listeners who really got in touch and uh, asked questions, had su- suggestions for their episodes, and really just really con- contacted with us and uh, spread out uh, the the good word about the Footballer at Podcast. Really appreciate your messages and thanks for listening to us. This has been great. Yeah, awesome stuff, and uh, happy you're back in action with the music too, Tim. Andrew, I assume you are going to be busy this weekend. Yeah, I, I very likely will be in Yekaterinburg for Ural against Rubin. I'm just going to check the latest directives if I'm actually allowed to drive between regions or not. Um, I think last I heard I was, so yeah, I'll be I'll be up to that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll be tweeting about it as usual from at Andrew M.I.J. Flint on Twitter. Uh, and otherwise, I'll be I'll be searching for live streams of um, Russian Tim Pavel Borders. <laughs> I think we all are. On that you note... You have a good taste. You sh- yeah, and everyone should. Everyone should be Best. searching, going on Google and search right now. But yeah, guys, um, that's it from this week. Football is back. Um, it's coming back uh, in many different forms. So enjoy it, even if it's not quite the same. And we talk again next week. Until then, dos vidanya. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.